Hey yo, welcome to Beyond the Mat, where it's all about the things and stuff. It's like this and like that, sitting in a lotus seat. We breathe deep from our heads to our feet till we feel inner heat. A little bit of rhythm for your soul. Stretching out your minds from your head to your toes. We in our flow state, we don't know no hate. We end up feeling great though, so we correlate. Coil snake gonna rise sunshine. We take our time to appreciate divine grace. It takes place in a pace in the inner states. From a country road down to the interstate. We contemplate this, we here to make this. We here to break this, but we never fake this. We never hate kids, we in the love vibe. Me and my whole tribe, we gonna try to be fly with the sunshine. Hello, all you beautiful people. Welcome to Beyond the Mat, a podcast in stereo. Ha! Remember when everything used to say that? Like, as if everything wasn't in stereo before those times? Like, did everyone just have one ear? one headphone or only one speaker in their homes but yeah i guess the old tvs just had that one speaker right under all the dials i think i just lost half the population of listeners here nobody remembers this stuff man but hey dials and only three channels to watch is a part of my heritage this is the kind of stuff our grandkids are gonna watch in commercials someday where they do those old timey throwbacks with like a sepia tone on the screen Remember, let us not forget the days of old when children would fight over what show would be watched while the youngest child would stand and hold the TV antenna to get a clearer reception. Anywho, what am I even talking about this for? This has nothing to do with today's guest. Uh, I suppose we mentioned something during the show that was kind of throwbacky, and the 80s are fresh in my mind, I guess. Even that word throwback. I mean, it kind of implies that you should throw it back. Like, you know, when you've gone fishing and you caught a bad one or a small one, nobody wants it, so you throw it back into the water. Well, I hope we have a good catch for you folks today. This show, man, they just keep on getting better and better and better, and this is no exception to that rule. But first, what's new with me, you ask? Haha, well, I wrote a... You know what? Let's skip that part because I already talked about it on the show. You all know where to buy my freaking book by this point, jcoleyoga.ca. What's new with me, man? Well, my flatmate is gone for the month. Uh, I don't know if she really wants me saying where or what she's doing, but she's on a journey. And let's just leave it at that. So I have the apartment entirely to myself, along with the cat and the dog and the dog got sick. She's got dry skin and will not stop scratching and licking and scratching and licking obsessively licking 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 i've been putting coconut oil on it and then i had to break down and do something that i don't ever want to do and buy some actual medicine some antiseptic cream to put on her she's wearing a cone she's bumping into everything i mean it's kind of cute it's kind of funny she's really milking it with strangers now looking for that sympathy whereas before she's totally aloof and just kind of does her own thing But yeah, back to the apartment. Um, I've moved some weights into the kitchen, a big barbell set with 25 pounds on each end. I know, I know, I'm I'm lifting some heavy stuff there, bro. And I've been doing squats, deadlifts, and arm curls with them. See, I like to have stuff lying around when it comes to weights. I don't want it to be a thing. Like, I don't want a weight room or an area or I just need them laying around all over the place. So when I go into a room, I might bang out a few reps. Uh, I got some more in the living room near the TV as well. I'm 
definitely, I'm definitely one of those people who believes everything needs to be in its own station. Everything has its place, and it's the biggest pet peeve when things are not put back in their place, where they belong. But this, with the weights, if they're off in another room, I'm just never going in that room. Mainly because I know of the pain that awaits for me if I go in there and lift them up and put them back down. It's just a little workaround I'm doing on my brain to have them kind of scattered about. I've got some by my like yoga mat too for whenever you do like a sit-up in yoga, I'll grab a weight and do the sit-ups. So what else? Uh, I moved everything around in the kitchen, the appliances, things like that. I'm making the apartment the way I want it, the cool Zen Dojo J. Colway, a little J style, if you will. I've redesigned the entire living room. I've moved my studio around. It's all coming together. I made a little yoga space so I can shoot some yoga videos with a big white curtain in behind. So you can all look forward to that, seeing my ass in tights, doing yoga, teaching you things. But enough about me, that's not why we're here, except for those times when it is about me, like when you're buying my book at jcoleyoga.ca, soon to be available on Amazon and other online places. Not sure how all that works just yet, but the ball is rolling. So let's keep this show rolling as well. Today's guest, finally, a real highly qualified person, a real life doctor, a psychologist, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Kate Dow. She does mind, body, spirit, psychology with very minimal hippy-dippy woo-woo stuff involved. She is a mentor for sensitive women entrepreneurs. She teaches self-mastery, sacred feminine embodiment, heart tantra, no, that's not sex for your heart as we will discuss, and kundalini yoga, which I know very little about, so it was very cool to finally learn something. Ladies and germs, a warm round of applause. Please do it. Clap your hands, even if it looks silly as you're riding the bus listening to this with headphones on. A warm round of applause for the magnificent Dr. Kate Dow. Yeah, so welcome to Beyond the Mat. This is uh, something new that I've started. Um, it's my fourth podcast, so it's not like new to me, but it's a new, you know, new thing. You know, it just kind of goes through different topics. And then from those other crazy conversations kind of spiral outward in a beautiful fractal. And, uh, okay, so tell me about uh, mind, body, spirit, psychology. Okay. Um, Well, so I have always believed in the mind, body, you know, idea that, that they reflect each other way back when um, I started school and was planning to maybe become a a doctor, did pre-med, and um, it really became so evident to me that the Western version of medicine was very much not aligned with my belief system and my understanding. However, at that point in, you know, mainstream culture, you know, the whole Eastern philosophies and teachings really hadn't kind of become not known. So um, I just sort of trusted my own gut with that and ended up going into psychology. And from there, um, I continued to sort of track what people and how things were shifting around the understanding of the mind-body connection. And uh, with that, I was always very uh, strong spiritual seeker. And so I was always studying different teachings and paths and incorporating that. And um, 
again, I think the knowledge and understanding of those different dimensions of us as human beings became sort of more normalized that, of course, we all have a mind-body-spirit. So for me, it's it's just a simple idea of recognizing that we do have these different dimensions and they all reflect each other. And we, in order to have true wholeness and um, integration, uh, we really need to attend to all three dimensions that interweave and help create who we are and our reality. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess, so when did you start going to school? for uh for all of this stuff because i know it's been like back in the day is when you know you wouldn't talk about this kind of stuff and like i'm a child of the 70s and 80s so like i'm i'm from mm-hmm. the era of you you just kind of don't talk about these things and i'm from the east coast of canada which was like along the bible belt and you definitely don't talk about this kind of stuff because it's like burn the witch you know and right. and uh <laughs> right You'd never talk about these kind of things, so you had no one to talk to about it until, I guess, 93 to 97-ish, when the internet came around, and then even then, it was very obscure kind of things to for people to be talking about. So, I guess you're well, from the, the I same... think I was fortunate. You know, I grew up in California. Right. And um, even though, you know, I went to UCSB for college and uh, studied physiological psychology, which their version of that was more research-based. And you're right. I mean, there was still a very um, limited point of view about the understanding of human humanity, and people weren't weren't talking about the mind-body connection per se directly. Uh, But I then left uh, college in, what was that? 86 in Santa Barbara and moved to San Diego and ended up going to a very small humanistic psychology school that no longer exists that really was an open venue to start talking about a wider scope of of you know what we're doing here and what's meaningful they had different tracks of transpersonal psychology and marriage and family you know and uh, even body psychology, and all of that resonated for me. So it was a safer place to be able to talk about that for sure. Um, and in fact, my, my dissertation I was hoping to do on the uh, psychoneuroimmunology research that was just starting up in the mid-'80s, but I, I couldn't get the right connection with everybody to have a really good um you know, a whole committee to do it uh, and have it done well. So right. it was something that fascinated me. You know, it's like here now we have proof that, um, you know, cancer, it can be considered related to our emotional well-being. We don't really know how or why, but it is. <laughs> and that was just exciting to me. So, you know, and that's just gained more and more um, validity since then over time. I mean, it seemed like for a while the Western um, research was really going to try and wipe it out. But, you know, now we have Harvard and UMass and all these big um, schools and, and hospitals that are all about doing the mind-body research. Right. So it's very exciting. Uh, yeah, it's funny when you talk about things like uh, the energetic body, you know, people's kind of like still a little bit, 
you know, turn their nose up like, oh, okay, some new age hippie jive you're trying to throw at me here. Get out of here with your right. snake oil, you charlatan. And um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I live in Victoria in British Columbia, which is like the mm-hmm. epicenter of new age hippies. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. It's great in so many ways, but it's kind of like the market is flooded. It's just another, oh, look, another hippie. Like, oh, look, another new ager. And um, right. when you get, you know, you're not helping anyone. Everyone's preaching to the choir around here. You know, you go and do like a talk or, or a seminar or something and like, it's just the same people showing up, you know, and they're almost like career uh, talkers who go around doing these things. And um, that's interesting in the way that it's like, are we all just just regurgitating the same kind of stuff to each other and then never taking it outward to maybe to the masses of people who need this kind of stuff? And um, That's a good point. Yeah, so, um, which I find was the same at... Uh, a lot of like music festivals have really gotten new agey in the last like six, seven years. Um, I've worked at a few uh, music festivals in my day and it, yeah, it just becomes, yeah, everybody's just kind of, you know, becomes like a, a group becomes kind of clicky in a way. So mm-hmm. my idea has been like, how can I expand outwardly to the people who need it? And I wrote a little book about meditation and I don't mean to plug my book all the time, but th- there's an ad at the first of this that you haven't heard or anything. But uh, the the reason for writing it was because I was walking by a construction site and these guys were like throwing hammers at each other and cursing and freaking out. And I was like, these are the people right here who need the most meditation in their life. And so that's when I sat down and, and had written this book aimed at, you know, that kind of a demographic. So it's written, it's written very like, like talk, you know, lots of swear words so right. these guys can understand and, and not get bored with it. And I took out all That's... Sanskrit words have all been removed. Any kind of reference to anything too spiritual has been removed because I know how, um, like, this is my family that I'm basically talking to, so, you know, like like blue collar worker kind of people who it's like every time I come around, it's like, oh, here comes Jay again. Get ready for some, for some weird shit he's going to say. And uh, right. that, that, I don't know, that kind of made it easy. And hopefully I can send it out to enough places that they'll distribute it properly. <laughs> so um, back yeah, to back. And, and, oh, go, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I think, I think that's true in, in, the, in the idea that, um, you know, if we want to help expand consciousness, we, we need to you know, A, put it in languaging that people can relate to, um, B, be, be supporting people who normally um, wouldn't come across it or haven't come across it, um, and do it in a way that that is mindful because for a lot of people, these concepts are new. They are maybe even a little uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and so being able to present information that can be really helpful in a way that they can receive it. And I, I had that experience just the other day because I was able to go to a, um, I had this um, set up to do a brainstorming session, right? So I went to a business incubator type place in town here in Santa Fe. And, and I said, I'd really like to provide some series of talks that are engaging and supportive to women entrepreneurs who 
are struggling. And, and she said, well, what do you want to talk about? I said, you know, what I'd really love to do is brainstorm and let them tell me what they did want. And I ended up having a fabulous conversation sharing sort of my view of this mind, body, spirit work, which I personally call self-mastery. That's my experience of what I've learned and grown through to heal and integrate and really um, come, come kind of back to myself and be my authentic self and come forward. And so I was able to talk about it in a way, not only that wasn't super woo wooey, right. But very, very real, very relatable and tied to their work and why it's so important, right? Like, you stressing about time management feels like it's all about time management, but it might be about these other things that you're not necessarily paying attention to, like your emotional needs or your physical needs or some stress happening around something personal that you've been avoiding, right? Right. <laughs> so it was really exciting. And yeah, so I, I, I think that that's a really important context that we need to remember. Right. Um, so in the world of psychology, how do you, I guess, how do you combine mind, body, and spirit? Like, like for an example, um, somebody comes to see you and they're like, I need help with my mind, body, and spirit. (laughs) Like what, in what ways, as opposed to like a, a Western kind of psychology approach, what, what would be like some, something I'm, I'm all, I'm all out of whack here. Diagnose me. Sure. I mean, so first of all, um, so I've been a psychologist for, you know, the past 30 years, but I've also been really moving out of that box because uh, in the last, say, five to 10 years, because um, I want to work with people more kind of holistically. And now I'm really focused on working with women entrepreneurs and supporting them to be their most conscious whole self so they can not only be awesome in their business, but also they can really help create positive change in the world. So, but as a psychologist, how I, I brought that in more and more for people was helping them recognize um, just how they all kind of work together and starting to help people be more embodied and recognize their emotions and their stress in their body uh, we also would talk about their sense of connection in whatever spiritual way that can support them or if they feel totally disconnected and how that might be impacting what's going on for them. So I would always just invite a different perspective and see it, if it felt relatable for people in their current you know, problem that they were focused on. Right. Hmm. So I guess translating that over into teaching self-mastery, I guess it was kind of just a a natural progression then. Yeah, I mean, it's super exciting because um, I wasn't sure how to describe it. I ended up writing a book last year that's actually coming out this January in real book form on the bookshelf. And it's called Fearless, The Art of Using Anxiety to Your Advantage. And it was uh, the first time I was ever able to really bring bring this idea of the mind-body-spirit work into a, a working sort of structure that made sense and that I could bring forward and talk to 
people and say, okay, let's, for example, say you have anxiety and how do we work with that from a mental place? Right. Not just psychologically, but, um, you know, maybe from these different points of view, right? Different teachings, different practices and how that is a big part of us starting to feel more powerful because we're not run, run around by our fears. Mm -hmm. Right. But, um, but also at a body level, how do we learn to pay attention and understand our own emotional and embodied intelligence that can help us be more conscious of what we need to process, right? Trauma or, or stress and those things that can help us understand, well, what is that anxiety showing? Again, it's kind of always this idea that what shows up is really just trying to show us our next growing edge. Right. And so I was able to write about, I called it being the queen of your mind and the heroine of your body and the goddess of your soul. Because I'm specific to working with women in this book as well. And not because it's not applicable to men. It was just a choice point. Right. And um, yeah, so it's really exciting because that work got really clear for me, but I still didn't know how to relate it to others besides saying mind, body, spirit. And then I got really clear that this has been my path of self-mastery and that's what I want to help others have, right? To be able to own their own capacity to learn and grow and master their own, you know, mind, body, spirit to be the best they could be. Yeah, and it's interesting how many people who go through their own, you know, kind of issues that they've worked through in their life are able to a lot of the times turn that around and be able to help other people with things. I mean, this is like a, a, sure. a story that's heard time and time again. Um, one thing I right. just wanted it's, to, it's like wounded healer, like the wounded <laughs> healer, right? Like yeah, exactly. You come through your own stuff and then you're like, I have something to share. Yeah. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't want to share, you know, when, and I think a lot of people do that. I mean, I got on that ketogenic diet and I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Everybody got to try this. You got to try. And it's like, whoa, you know, people only are ready to heal when they're ready to heal. You can't throw some Hollywood diet at them and expect anything to happen. Um, I just want to clarify something, though, about anxiety. So a lot of time, I mean, this yeah. word is thrown around so much. And I mean, I have anxious moments, but I wouldn't say I suffer from anxiety. Like some people have like clinical anxiety. And is that kind of who mm -hmm. you're addressing? With you know, your there, there's always a range. And within when we're in different places on that range, like anything, when we're growing on our conscious journey, there's going to be times that we might need a, a certain kind of container for that. In other words, you could even be studying deep meditation and at a certain point you might come across some places of trauma and difficulty that you might need the container of a good somatic therapist and you might even need medication to help your brain and your nervous system manage manage kind of your ability to stay more more okay while you work on that right. and so there's a there's a wide range and my book is basically acknowledging anxiety as a generality and I've done programs with it last at the beginning of the year and there was definitely some people who had more extreme 
more chronic anxiety that were going to get different experiences and they had a lot of positive um, takeaways, but they also recognized they needed these other pieces as well, right? right? So I, it's not kind of an all or nothing because I think we're always on a continuum of, of recognizing what we need. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm asking because I have a friend who uh, most of her life had crippling anxiety. She couldn't get out of bed. She would like pee the bed sometimes kind of thing. And she got into some thing where they hook I, I wish I could remember the name of it right now but it's escaping me it's some new sciencey thing they they're doing where they hook you up to this machine and they play these sounds in these headphones and it's so expensive the treatment and she just worked really hard and paid for it and tried this went on a limb because nothing was working and she tried this thing where you go in you stare at a screen and they hook you up to a graph and there's charts are going and I don't know if you've ever heard of this, if I'm describing it right. I, yeah, I, I, I think there's different names. Like there's like kind of neuro, it's like a type of neuroscience feedback kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it totally, 100% cured her of her crippling anxiety. And she goes wow, every three months, wonderful. she goes every three months for a little like touch up just to make sure, you know, that she doesn't want to slip slip out of it whatever right. whatever thing it's been doing to her. They they say that she can go now, but she's like, uh, I'm not going to take any chances. I'm going to keep coming in for the tune-up. You know, you bring your car in for a tune-up. She right. brings her mind in for right. a tune-up in, in whatever. And right. literally the way she described it was she puts these big headphones on and sits down and there's music playing. And then every once in a while there's like this beep, like a beep or a crack or a snap that goes through the headphones. And that's really the only thing she could explain that was happening aside from what else was happening with the, the other diodes and things that were hooked up. Uh, right. Who really knows? Um, right. And, and that's, that's amazing, right? That some yeah. people can have, have that relief and get, get, there's so many different ways to work with what's present. And um, I think for, for her clearly, like what a gift that she could go and have this treatment that, you know, was a risk but it ended up paying off and just we're also different. So the ways that work for one person may not work for another. Oh, exactly. And mine is definitely kind of a little more of a spiritual path of like doing your personal work to, to clear, clear your mind and be responsible to what beliefs you're supporting. Right. Right. Be learning to how to somatically connect with your body and stretching and connecting more spiritually and through meditation. So, you know, not everybody's going to be drawn to, to any particular path. And it's, you know, I think that's, that's a blessing that we have so many options. Yeah. No, I definitely would agree that it's not for everybody. And I think probably, you know, I'm sure, like she had been to uh, therapists and everything before that. So I'm sure right. it all played right. a part coming together, just making it whole, maybe, who knows? Maybe it was a placebo. Maybe it was the one thing that pushed her over the edge that just like finally, oh, that made all the other things she had learned before click in. in right. Like, oh, okay. Now. Right. Okay. Bleep, bleep, bleep in my headphones. Yes. Okay. <laughs> now, I, now I get it. I understand right. the universe. Right. <laughs> um, well, well, and it's true that, you know, it's like, even in psychology, all of the mind-body research is really helping sort of inform current current therapists to recognize the role of 
the body, mm-hmm. which is sort of my big um, value, is that in order for people to really make change, it's, we have to be more connected and embodied. And um, I was just talking to um, a gal the other day as a therapist, and she said, you know, I'm finding these amazing results with these people who have, you know, incredible amounts of different stressors, but I'm just having them in the middle of a fight stop and relax their body. And it's helping them stop the fight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like just at that simple level, how disembodied we are as a culture, as a world, and that just being more present and noticing our tension can completely shift how we're going to respond and react into, to what's happening. Right. So I think we, we're on a good track with that. I think the whole yoga movement, of course, is, is a part of that, helping people become more present with their breath, more focused. Um, all of the Eastern um, beautiful teachings and, and history come forward in that. Um, I studied a, as, with Kundalini Yoga for many years and then got certified as a teacher. Ooh, and, maybe, um, maybe talk about that yeah. for a minute. Um, Sure. How is that different from other yoga? So, so like I'm, I'm a, I teach Hatha, Hatha, Hatha flow, which every day is different. Every sequence is different. It's never the same class twice. It's, it's very flowy. It moves in and out. You don't really hold poses for an, an exorbitant amount of time. And for me, that's what I liked the most. And I had done a bunch of other ones, but maybe explain Kundalini yoga because this is the one that everybody kind of goes on about how you can transcend into these almost psychedelic experiences through this, this, through these techniques. So that would be interesting to hear about. Well, so I guess, you know, again, it's going to depend where you were taught and, and how, you know, I was taught by um, Sikhs who, you know, studied and lived with Yogi Bhajan here in, in New Mexico. And so there's a certain way that they teach it. That's very clear, like that you are, are really um, respectful of the teachings and the fact that the kriyas are specific to different things mm-hmm. and you only, you, you don't change them, right? There's other people out there teaching Kundalini and they have a very different view of it, but I'll tell you my view because <laughs> uh, I, I have a very big respect for lineages. I tend to cut, fall into different paths that have a long lineage because they're not because I pick it for that reason, but I recognize, Oh my gosh, these all have these lineages of history and wisdom being passed down through the ages. And there's something very profound and important to me about that. So Kundalini is like that from the way I was taught. And from, from that point of view, um, Kundalini was considered, you know, the householder yoga for the people who really wanted to develop their consciousness um, the quickest because they're busy working and raising children. Okay. And so Kundalini was considered a very efficient and effective way of doing yoga because it, ha- it covers all eight limbs and it includes so many of those aspects all in each Kriya that your, your attention is on so many pieces that it creates this intense quickening. Um, and each Kriya is, is specific to itself and has its own purpose. So it might be for clearing, clearing the liver, 
you know, right. and you're right. going to do it in a specific way. Right. But um, the idea being that you're always, you know, activating this Kundalini energy and bringing it up in different ways it through your body to create this whole mind, body, spirit change. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's like a lot of people that Kundalini is not their thing and Hatha is the way to go. And <laughs> other people just love Kundalini. And there's a lot more intensive breath, breath work usually with the movement and it's a different kind of energetic. Right. So yeah, from what I've seen is that there's a lot of, uh, breath work involved a lot of different kind of breathing you know you're kind of like i guess in in a pose but you'll also like do breath work patterns is that correct yeah depending yeah usually i mean yeah so every pose is gonna um within that kriya is usually including a, some kind of breath right and and sometimes it's a very rigorous breath of fire and sometimes it's more of just an in and out, but it's like, um, you know, you have your, your eyes in a specific way of focusing your hands in the mudra, you know, your, your breath work in a specific way, your posture, everything is specific in that Kriya. And that's what creates like this kind of intensity within you that you feel pretty cleared out at the end, which, you know, I, I love Hatha too, but I just was really drawn to the Kundalini. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to have to try it. It's not something that's really that, <laughs> that popular around here to just go and take a, a class anywhere. You kind of going to have to sign okay. up online or something like that. It's, it's all, oh, okay. uh, they do moksha around here I, and moksha is okay. called something else in, in California. It's the same, they're like sister companies who these people developed this thing and it's literally like, it's kind of like Bikram, you know, like it's only like 26, okay. po 26 poses and it's the same ones every day and there's no flow in between. You do okay. a pose and then you reset and you do a pose and reset and it's always done in a hot room. And uh, right. that's kind of the big, the big thing around here. And so anyone, any teacher who teaches a class, like you'll go in the morning and you might have a girl teaching you. And then in the afternoon, a guy's going to teach the exact same class in the same right. order. Right. So to me, yeah, that, that's, that's so interesting. It, it, it's kind of boring to me and it's it's almost yeah, like yeah it's watered down yoga if you ask me and i'm like y'all are yeah. lazy y'all aren't even writing your own sequences like i i labor hours and hours creating these things and i'm like hey how can i how can i mess with my class a little bit how can i you know I'm, oh i know i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a leg day and i'm not gonna tell them about it and then they're gonna walk out of here <laughs> with the rubber legs when they're done uh like, right. like do funny things like that but, uh, well, and that's what I love about the Kundalini too, because you know, in my therapy practice, I I was bringing in the yoga, and for people who were ready, we were doing certain kriyas that were specific for anxiety, right. you know, and that was really powerful. Huh? Uh, have you so have you done Tai Chi? I just started uh, today's day four, so I'm just asking yeah. everyone. I, I have. I, I studied in a number of years ago before I was actually really ready for it. it I was sort of um, kind of too, it was felt like so slow. And, and then this was in my, you know, in my 20s. And I, I was like, I know this is really powerful stuff, but I'm just too wired to like go this slow right now. But I, I, I appreciate it and think about it. Um, 
I, what I ended up getting into was um, tantric setting, which um, was another extension of sort of the kundalini in, in another way. But yeah, Tai Chi is great. What are you thinking of it? I love it. It's amazing. And like yourself, I kind of started it in my early 20s and I, I was too much of a party animal. I wasn't ready for it. And back then, there wasn't anything like YouTube. So I remember researching ah. it and I had like, uh, you would get like a four minute video and it would be all in Chinese, for example. So I had no right. idea what they were saying and you, I just kind of follow what they were doing a little bit. And I did that probably for six months before, uh, I don't know, it just faded away. I was like, okay, I'm too, yeah, too wired, too ready to just go, go, go. And, uh, being in a band, travel, touring around, things like that. It just didn't, it didn't jive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Slowing down wasn't a thing that, that we did. <laughs> uh, <Right. laughs> but just in the last couple of weeks, uh, it had come back through, I don't know what, I don't know why, but my friend and I just started talking about, you know, doing some Tai Chi. And then I went online. I was like, oh, look, there's, you know, thousands of Tai Chi videos now on YouTube and they're, they're all really good. And, and so I just found an instructor and put some videos on and had been doing it every morning after I do my like hour of yoga. And Great. it's so relaxing. It's so calming and mm -hmm. soothing. And I mean, I did it before yoga too, because I was like, well, maybe it's the yoga, you know, it's chilling me out. So I was like, I'm going to do it just by itself one day. And it's the same effect. You're just like, oh, it's literally a moving meditation. So it's, it's a good, right. a good time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And as far as I'm concerned, it, any embodiment practice, right, whether it's Tai Chi or it's mm. yoga or it's Tantra or it's somatic meditation, you know, is so impactful and important, I think, for, for everyone to find something that they drive with. Qigong, you know, that's pretty popular here in New Mexico right now. Oh. We have a couple really great Qigong teachers and people are really benefiting from it. Yeah. I think, too, as, um, as, popu as populations get older, meaning like our, our generations get older, we start to accept slower moving things and so we're there's more of us uh population wise right now and so for that reason you know things like this are going to start to become a little more popular i do believe and sure like but, well we're more open to that spiritual inclination of you know slowing down becoming more thoughtful and and ready for something like you said like a little slower a little more present yeah. and mindful we have more you know we're more ready for it because there are days when i'm just like i just don't want to do yoga this morning i just don't but i want to do something <laughs> i don't want right. to pull a mat out i don't want to and i mean it's okay as a teacher that's great and everything and everybody is like oh you must do yoga all the time and i'm like no nah, I, I follow a girl on youtube yoga with adrian she's the best and because as a teacher it's easy. It's not, not that it's easier. It's just, it's a better experience when you're being led by someone else. If I have to keep thinking and thinking and thinking and trying to go back into things that I've written before, it's like, ah, oh, this right. isn't fun anymore. This is work now. And I'm back in that work right. mind uh, and, and thinking along those lines. So to have yeah. someone to follow along with through YouTube or whatever have you, people still use DVDs, I'm told. <laughs> 
And uh, right. for that, I guess it's the same with the Tai Chi. So in the morning, it's like, you know, I just don't want to do it this morning. And then throw on a Tai Chi video and like, oh, there we go. That was something at yeah. least. Definitely. Yeah. And and I think that I personally, I'm the same way. I, you know, I have a mix of yoga and tantra and somatic meditation practice that I sort of, you know, I shifted based on the day and where I'm at, but I'm always doing something as part of my morning practice and to give ourselves that space to be creative and intuitive about what our, what our psyche and body and spirit need that day. Right. Now you've mentioned Tantra a few times and I know everybody's mm-hmm. mind goes right to sex whenever you say Tantra. And it's just because that's the only popularized version of the word Tantra here in the West. Right. And you right. mentioned in Even your notes. it's not. <laughs> no, I know. There's so many different avenues. <laughs> and so you had mentioned heart, heart Tantra. And I was like, ooh, as someone who in my right. 20s read the Kama Sutra, I'm like, oh, so it's sexy time for your heart. <laughs> um, so maybe expand yeah. on that a little bit more. Sure, sure. So, um Again, I, I find it really interesting because I, I came across these, these, you know, this invitation to come to this level one course down in Austin, and I was totally drawn to go, didn't really know much about it, and ended up learning that it was a, um, you know, it was part of a lineage that goes back to Babaji and the, back into the Kundalini Yoga uh, lineage and um, basically this particular iteration was focused on pink tantra meaning that the goal isn't about how much sexual um, pleasure you get that's sort of a piece that comes with it but more that it's about opening your heart and being able to connect more deeply with yourself and your own consciousness right so in essence the Tantric work was about um, Babaji saying, you know, Kundalini Yoga, he, I've mastered it, and now I want to work more directly with the creative life force of energy and learning to move it and transcend, you know, sort of that consciousness up. But the whole idea is it's not about becoming enlightened and leaving, it's about becoming your highest conscious self and staying here and being of service. Right. Which is really aligned with with my own sort of philosophy so um so i just fell in love with it and started teaching uh learn uh, studying with my teacher about it and um bringing it in in different ways and recognizing that that's connected with this whole embodiment piece for me in the in the self-mastery so it's just another another version of how I teach um, people. I, I do focus on just women right now, so I find it really beautiful and important to be able to help women connect with their bodies, their sexuality, and their energy as um, for themselves, and that, that that will then impact however they show up in their lives and their, with their relationships. But for women to be able to feel empowered by connecting in this tantric way with themselves feels such an important thing right now. So I'm kind of unique in that way. Most people teach tantra, of course, with men and women. Right. And that that the men are holding the masculine and women are holding the feminine energy. 
and I'm saying, okay, well, we're going to work with it internally that we have the masculine and feminine within us and we're working to have that divine union within ourselves so that we can really um, feel more connected to that feminine in a safe, positive, kind of uh, self-growth way first. And then, you know, then you can take it and make it a whole different experience with your partners. So that's what I've been doing is I'm calling it sacred feminine embodiment tantra. So, yeah. And in fact, I have a, a a training here, a level one training for the level one Cobra breath um, in a few weeks here in Santa Fe on the 19th. Oh, cool. Yeah. So how do you develop? I'm really excited. How do you develop a training module like that? Well, um, I did go through teacher training with my teacher and she's, um, you know, basically handed down the ways that she's done it with her husband and, you know, they've been doing it for like 25 years. And so they kind of handed down sort of the idea of how you, you're, you're working with the energy sequence, right? You're always working with learning how to activate energy, be present with it, focus it, relax, come back into that activation in a different way and moving energy consciously. So it's a, it's just a process of helping people become more aware of their bodies and their energy in a safe container and then learning how to then work with the specific breath as a way of um, learning a practice that they can take home and become more like, like yoga, right? Where right. you become right. more devoted to it and it becomes an incredible tool of resetting, reconnecting and aligning yourself every day. Wow. So I guess, do you like, um, for the curriculum of it, do you sit down and I guess kind of like plot out the different categories and segments that you're going to teach that day or or in like the order that it should go in? Is is that something that you, that you have like kind of had to develop yourself or is that also, is it just intuitive the way that it all just flows? You start at the start of the story and by the time you're done, you've explained it kind of thing. So there's, there is a structure. So like when I started in May offering just these sacred feminine embodiment classes here in Santa Fe for women to come experience it and, and start to become more conscious and aware, um, you know, my teacher's like, here, this is how, you know, you want to do basically the version of this energy sequence, but you do it focused on whatever your theme is. And, and of course, then I get to have fun because I go pull in a little kundalini and I go, oh, we're working with the heart. Let me find a really cool heart meditation from kundalini. And you know, <laughs> yeah. I bring in the sacred feminine work and we, I talk about how the heart is sort of this speak to our soul, right? And it's our way to be listening and allowing that feminine intuition in. And so I have fun bringing, I definitely sit down and have fun bringing all these little pieces together to create a a fun and fun and informing week uh, evening, right? Right. Huh. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, maybe t- um, what's your uh, take on uh, flow state? And I'm asking because I did a series with the on the not with, but I went I did some kind of like mini course with the Flow Genome Project, and then I hit up there like. A, community online and I started finding guests to talk about, you know, their experience with flow state. And 
Mm. How, how, like, have you dealt with a lot of, like, flow state issues or anything like that? I don't, and I don't mean issues, like, in a negative way. I mean, like, in a positive way, obviously. Like, my own personal experience, or you mean, like, with people I'm working with? Well, maybe both. Okay. Um, well, yes, I, I would say I have. I mean, I think that w- when you say flow state, I think of when when we tend to do embodiment practices, whatever it is that we love, we are inviting our consciousness into a flow state. Right. And because we're getting out of our thinking mind, we're getting into our awareness, witness, and we're experiencing what is the flow that's happening all the time with our bodies, with life, with energy, right? All the time. But we just, we're taught to be looking at life in such a small, tiny window that we think, oh, you have to work hard to get into the flow state when really it's working to let go of that little window and <laughs> just experience what is, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, we think in such a small, narrow, linear kind of thought pattern, you know, go here, do this, then get this, do this, do that, and then get that. And it's very like ABC, 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 repeat, repeat, repeat. And yeah, in in flow state, and I mean, it has happened to me in, well, in yoga, obviously, but also being on stage and performing, you kind of enter into this flow state too, where next thing you know, you're having, it's almost an out-of-body experience and you're there on a microphone singing to a crowd of a bunch of people and that yet you're kind of like watching yourself do it. And you're like, how am I remembering all the words if I'm over here and I'm not even in my body right now? How is this, how is this happening? And the second that you realize and think of it, you snap back into your body and you're like, okay, Oh, I have control over the whole thing again. Where am I in, in this song? Uh, okay. <laughs> and you got to kind of like gather your bearings again and jump back into, and into controlling it. But that flow state that like, whew, it's, it's almost like this blissful, amazing experience. And they say that you have the best control over things when you're in that state and that you, you are your optimal self. And so I totally feel that because how how more optimal can you get than be doing something as uh, rigorous as singing and not even being a part of it, but you're still doing it? You know, like, right. and right. apply that to anything, driving a car, parachuting, walking, for instance. Uh, I was walking my dog right. earlier when I was having these same kind of thoughts about uh, being in that, in the flow zone. And uh, yeah, just walking with no music or anything, no distractions out on a, out on a long stretch of road. And you just, even that can get you in, in the zone. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's like, a really a, a, a state of mind, right? It's, it's about being so present that you're not thinking about what's present. You're just in the present. Right, right. And uh, geez, I guess that's uh, that's kind of where I get to. I started doing transcendental meditation. And I mean, just mantra meditation. I didn't officially pay all the money for the TM course or anything, but someone who had taken it taught it to me. And my gosh, it really works. It, it works like the mm. best. And it really, the way that I tell people, they're like, well, how do you know when you're, when you're in it? And I said, well, are you thinking about something? Yeah, well, then you're not in it. Are you saying the mantra over and over again? Yeah. And you know you're saying the mantra? Yeah. Well, then you're not in it. You know, as long as you 
are in this awareness, then you're not in it. It's those moments when time is just skipping by and next thing you know, your alarm's going off. You're like, oh, I just meditated for a whole hour and I didn't fall asleep, but where where did the time go? It's that kind of zone that you're not, you're, you're in it, but you're not like conscious of being in it, I guess. That, yeah, that kind of, yeah. That kind of space really interests me. And uh, yeah, I've just, I, and I don't, I don't, I can't speak to, to PM because I haven't um, done it. Um, I've only kind of heard about it. And for whatever reason, um, I tend to be really drawn to the things that are about being more present in the body. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of TM, I, I don't know this for sure, but it feels like it's about sort of leaving the conscious, the, your awareness of your body. And um, what I've really loved about somatic meditation, which is a Tibetan Buddhist um, practice that uh, Reggie Ray teaches, is that you, you find that spacious, infinite connection actually through your body as opposed to leaving your body and kind of being out of, out of it. Right. Right. In another world. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And I, like I said, I can't, I can't speak to it, but I know that this has been, um, and just an added little gem to my experience is this somatic based meditation. Oh, wow. Well, Hey, if you want to try, uh, TM, uh, I, so you're given, they basically have a chart and it's based on birthdays and time you were born and things like that. And then within that, they, they'll have a word that they give you. And the words are generally a Sanskrit name of some, of some God or goddess that you're never supposed to look up the meaning to so that you don't have any attachment to the meaning. So I guess for like Western folk, they're like, Oh, like, you know, Vishnu, Vishnu. Okay. I, I guess they don't know what that means. They don't know who it is or that it, right. in what part of the, the whole paradigm that this person goes into. And if they're told never to look it up and never tell your mantra to anybody, then great. It's going to be just a random word that you don't know. Um, so I put syllables in a hat and I drew out three syllables and it came out Ra Ma Sa. And that's just been my mantra that I repeat as you sit down, just Ramasa, 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 and just see where it takes you. So if you really, if you want to try, you can have that mantra. You are allowed to use it. <laughs> it's not copyright. Well, Anyone can have it. Yeah. Um, well, great. I, it's interesting because, you know, I, I use the mantras from Kundalini like pretty regularly. So I swim like three times a week um, and do other stuff the other days, right? Right. And when I swim in the pool, I love to use a mantra. Um, and I I have a few that I choose from, but one of them is Rama Dasa Sase Sohang. Yes, I know that and there, So I <laughs> just do it with my breath, right? As my, in my stroke of swimming. And it keeps me focused in this meditative way. And so... Maybe I'm already doing it. I'm doing it in the pool, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are, definitely. And uh, I guess that's the the big pull for TM is that it's something that anyone can do at any time, anywhere. You don't have to sit up straight. You can lie down in the bed. You can be walking. You can be standing. They really don't put any restrictions on any of it. Just do the darn thing, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, nice. that's a, it's kind of the, the catch that hooks everybody into it. 
And then you realize the cost of this thing and you go, okay, that's not for me. <laughs> and uh, I, it's, it's fresh in my mind right now because uh, about a year ago, I, I really wanted to unearth and discover what this was all about. I mean, all my favorite celebrities were doing it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, like, I just, I just got to know. And it's such a highly guarded secret online to find out that it's a mantra meditation and that's all it is. And uh, once I found out, I felt a little disillusioned. I felt a little bit upset about it. And I was like, oh, and they're charging all these thousands of dollars too. Like this is, this is nuts. And uh, I went online, I made a little YouTube video and the video kind of like blew up and got like thousands and thousands of views on it. And people are like, man, you need to do a follow-up video. And like, I've been requested so many times to do follow-up videos on this. And I just got around to it this morning and posted that online. If anybody's interested, wow. you can go to my YouTube channel. And, and What was your video about? It was about you kind of feeling like kind of ripped off with the scam thing or what? Yeah, yeah. Like kind of like the, and the title was The Secret to Transcendental Meditation. And uh, I get there's like so many other people out there who also have been looking to find out what the big secret is without going to fork over all that money. And everyone has just been so appreciative. But then there are like, I guess, the the secret agents on behalf of the TM movement who will go in there into the comment sections and be like, well, just so you know, you're not doing it right. And you can only do it right if you actually get certified through this and that and pay the money and go through the whole system. And it's like... Okay, you're a shill. You're a hired shill. I know it. <laughs> and, and then there will be, I don't even have to say it, there will be like five or six other people defending my video <laughs> saying the same kind of stuff. I mean, I, I hate reading the comments too, and I, I forget all about them. And every once in a while, YouTube will send me an email saying, hey, there's new comments on something. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'll click on it. And then, you know, I get lost in that rabbit hole of, of reading YouTube comments. <laughs> Which right, sometimes right. it's good, sometimes it's really bad. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't need to hear that. I didn't need to hear that today at all. Right. I was feeling great until I read that. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know, so you got to pick and choose your battles on those days. You have to like really tune in with yourself and go, okay, am I present and centered right. enough? And am I okay with whatever these yeah. people are going to be saying that I can handle this? Yes. Yes, I am. Okay, let's click and see. Ooh. <laughs> and then, For sure. Yeah. For sure, because the ego can get pulled either way, right? If it's being stroked or or attacked, yeah, you know, yeah, it could go either way. I wouldn't even say the ego. I just say me. I'll take full responsibility. I'm not going to chalk myself and cut myself in half and blame blame it on some mystical ego side. I'm going to take full responsibility and say me, Jay, gets upset <laughs> when people don't like what I'm saying, <laughs> and uh, got yeah, it. And I love it when when they do. Uh, Geez, we have almost done an hour. I don't know if there was anything else on my list here, and there isn't. Okay. Uh, I mean, my list is, my personal list goes on. I think there's like 25, 26 items on here. But everything that I wanted to talk to you about, I think has been talked about. Unless you had something Great. further to add. Um, no, I think I'm good. That was a fun conversation. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for doing this. How can everybody reach you if they wanted to know more? Are you like a are you like a Twitter, Instagram kind of doctor, or are you just on the down low? Um, I I am on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. Um, I I would say the easiest way to find my social media because I never remember all my little tag names is just to find me at my website, which is katedow.com. 
Okay. And then on there, you can find all my social media because I actually am really active on Facebook. Um, I have a, a free um, Facebook group that's for women entrepreneurs called Sensitive Soulpreneurs Society. And, um, and I do quite a bit of um, daily stuff on Instagram as well. So feel free because I feel like I, I share a lot of good stuff that I think is unique out there. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here. Thank and, you. This um, was great. And best, best of luck to you. Oh, you too. Thanks. I'm speechless. I really don't know what to say to end this off. I hope that the good doctor and I can have a conversation again and that we can become friends. She just has that kind of vibe about her. And it's probably what makes her one of the best for what she does being a psychologist. Had I known many years ago, I would have ventured down a similar pathway because people gravitate to me. People are attracted to me in strange, weird ways. I've had complete strangers come up to me on the street and just unload all their stuff onto me. I've had people online through social media seek me out for advice about life. And it's just been an organic thing that happens. So had I known all this when I was a young, a young lad wanting to be a rap star, I probably would have taken a different path, you know, and gotten into some kind of therapy role or something like that. Um, back when I used to think I knew it all, you know, it was fun, you know, helping these people online and strangers coming up until one day I realized I am not qualified to give advice to someone like who is a manic depressive. I have no idea what proper things they need to hear. Certainly not the things that I had said to them. And I should probably go back and find these people and apologize for telling them things. Anyways, that's it for another edition of this beautiful podcast that has just sort of exploded over the last few weeks. Stay tuned, folks, for a load of amazing guests on the way. I'm so excited for what is to come. But hey, I gotta get some sleep, folks. It's almost 7 p.m. That means it's bedtime for this old guy. Peace, love, and light. Namaste. And all that other good noise. And we out of here. Ding!